and welcome to Technically Speaking, where scientists and engineers come together to chat about a common interest, share knowledge and satisfy some curiosity. I'm Laura and I'm joined by Jasmine and Antonia to talk about bioplastics, how they're made and what role plastic will probably always have in modern life. So Jasmine, you've got a bit of an interest in sustainability in the energy industry, so tell me about why you're so interested in bioplastics. Yeah, so I'm interested in bioplastics just for like the general sustainability and circular economy aspect that they have because we use a lot of plastics. So how we source them is going to play a really important part in terms of like how we manage the waste that's generated because plastic waste is a really big concern environmentally. It is very true and it comes up a lot in conversations about sustainability and I do wonder what people mean by that because I quite like plastic and I get that it shouldn't (laughs) be going into the environment but it is quite a useful thing. It is a useful thing but uh, that doesn't mean that we should be like using loads of it and throwing it all away. Yeah and Antonia and you've got a similar background so what's your interest in bioplastics? Copy and paste what Jasmine said (laughs) and then add in I was also curious about bioplastics. I look it up in my spare time because you get single-use plastic, including edible containers and other things. And I just thought, what is this made of? And what is the actual disposal route? Because there's some popular in the UK that says compostable. But as it turns out, you don't put it in your home compost. So... What does that really mean? That's fair enough. That's one subset of plastics. And we're talking specifically about bioplastics. So I have like kind of a noob question because I know so little about this. I assume a bioplastic is something that is made from microbes or from a biological material like cellulose from plants. Is that right, though? Yeah, generally. So a bioplastic just means a plastic that's made from a biological resource. So cellulose is a common like raw material that's used for making bioplastics, but there are other ways of making it. So for like some of the traditional plastics that are derived from like alcohols, um, you can just use a bio-alcohol version rather than the actual fossil fuel version. Of the alcohol. Now I'm going through a whole, how do you get alcohol from oil that comes out the ground? I mean, they're all carbon containing things. I feel like I'm getting a bit distracted with the whole alcohol thing though. This seems like a, a separate episode. Yeah, it does. Let's rewind. So uh, yeah, basically a bioplastic is a plastic material that's just made from biological resources. Yeah, and cellulose basically comes from plants, right? Yeah. It's not the thing I tend to think of is plastic like polyethylene say or pvc which is what you tend to think of when you think of plastics but i guess that's probably because it it comes from a biological source that we wouldn't have tended to have used as much yeah a lot of this comes about because of essentially the oil industry right what do plastics all come from the oil industry yeah that's kind of my kind of like newbie understanding of it is someone who's just kind of read about this stuff in popular culture that basically the oil industry got huge and then we were able to make loads of plastics that were really cheap i mean that's partly true we kind of have plastics of other kind not just synthetic plastics made from fossil fuels but we also have some natural plastics like rubber um, which is from a tree I mean, what defines a polymer from a plastic? Or, sorry, a plastic from a polymer? I think this is what in the last episode we just defined it as a hydrocarbon for simplicity, but you can have a material that has plastic properties, right? Which kind of refers to how it stretches or bends or deforms. So I don't think we've ever really got to the bottom of it. I think we just sort of said hydrocarbons. 
Okay, so uh, according to the internet, plastics are polymers, but not all polymers are plastic. So plastics are a subset of polymers. Okay. Specifically, long chains of polymers. That's not a very helpful definition. So anyway. Yeah, so if we sort of come from this idea that most of the plastics that we use today are synthetic and come from the oil industry, we'll assume that. And that's kind of a motivation for researching bioplastics, right? So instead of relying on this finite resource, we'd have a renewable way of creating them? Yeah, that's one of the motivations. Another motivation is just to create plastics that are more biodegradable, because all plastics will biodegrade, but it's just with the fossil fuel based, they'll take years and sometimes decades to biodegrade, whereas with the bioplastics, they should, in theory, biodegrade over a much shorter time frame, so like a few days. Oh, okay. I would assume if you're making a plastic, like take, I think polyethylene is one of the simplest ones. Yeah. It doesn't really matter how you've made it, whether it's a biological source or not. It'll still have the same properties, so it'll still take the same amount of time to break down. So like, I think the motivation to have more bio- biodegradable plastic is more reflective of like what the current market use of bioplastics are. Big chunk is used for um, food packaging, so like food packaging that can be bio- that is biodegradable. Okay, so essentially the single-use plastics would be yeah. almost like a... I guess, a lower value because they don't need to persist for as long. They have one use for, I don't know, a few months, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think there's like a camp of bioplastics that kind of encompass different environmental issues that we're trying to address. One is reducing fossil fuel dependency and another reducing plastic persisting in our environment. So we've got to like talk about bioplastics and biodegradable plastics as separate things. And I guess this kind of gets me thinking about if we're talking about the oil industry, which is, I guess, a fairly new industry. She says, knowing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it, it makes me wonder, like, so when were bioplastics first produced or first discovered or when was the process first created? Do you guys know anything about that? Yeah, so I'm pretty sure bioplastics predate fossil fuel based plastics just because, like, in the 1800s, we didn't really have oil and gas. So there's a you'd use like biomass materials over that. Yeah, so I was reading that um, our first plastic was actually latex and rubber from 1500 BCE by the mm-hmm. uh, Mesoamerican cultures. They were using this for making containers and making water-resistant clothing. Oh, do, do you know kind of how they process it? I know that rubber does come from plants, but I've never really thought about how you'd actually use it. I could imagine they just take some plant fibres and weave them or knit them and that would be it. But again, totally ignorant here. No idea. I can't remember how rubber is made, but I do know like latex and rubber is tapped out of a tree. So sort of like maple syrup. You <laughs> kind of have the right kind of tree and the core has liquid in, so it's like mining for plastic out of a tree. But again, I guess because you're relying on a natural resource, it takes time to harvest it. So if you're moving to more modern processing methods, it's probably more efficient to just make it yourself, which might be why I tend to think of it as being a thing that comes from the oil industry, and it's all synthetic, and that's it. That's the ironic thing about fossil fuels. It is faster but it's also not faster. It's faster because we can just dig out fossil fuels, but they took millions of years to form first. Or are you thinking of the actual, once we've got the oil, the process then? 
Yes. So literally, uh, once people get it out of the ground, because it, at one point it was so abundant that it, it sounds like, from what I know, that people just were using it all the time. Are we talking about rubber or are we talking about normal plastic now? Plastics in general. I suppose, yeah, plastics these days, um, the synthetic kind, are made fairly quickly. We have a well-established industrial processes for that. Polymerization is the key stage. It is. For plastics. But you kind of have, you don't just get oil and polymerize it. You have to break it down to the monomers first. Yeah, so that involves cracking. Yes. And then polymerization, yes. Yeah. Okay. So I remember fractional distillation from when I was in school. Is that what you mean by breaking it into the monomers and then you can do what you want with it? That's like a sorting process. Yeah. So you're sorting it by size of the hydrocarbon chain and then you break the chains into smaller components and then you stick them back together but in a particular way so you get the plastic that you want instead of liquid hydrocarbon yeah uh so fractional distillation is like separating off like different um i guess chemicals if you have a mixture mm-hmm. cracking is similar but cracking is more you have a chemical or a chain but you want to break it down into smaller chains so that would be the difference fair enough i get it so i'm building up this picture that we have plastics from a biological origin like rubber that have existed for longer than plastics like polyethylene that are generally made synthetically yeah so what percentage of plastics in use today have a biological source do you know it's uh currently less than one percent it's around 0.6 percent primarily due to what plastics are used for some some people may not be aware but like basically plastics and everything we went into some of this from the plastics episode like i looked around the room and it was like the pipes that go to my uh, central heating radiator yeah i'm looking around some more the cables that come from my computer yep all plastic yeah, so we talked in the last episode about plastics, about the common ones, which I keep mentioning. But what about common bioplastics? What are some of those? Yeah, so the types of common bioplastics differ quite a bit from the most common conventional bioplastics, and that's just due to what bioplastics are being used for, mostly. So most bioplastics are the starch-based plastics, or they can be what a plastic that's known as PLA, which stands for polylactic acid. They account for around 40% of the current bioplastics market. But you'd also have like bioversions of like PET or, or PE, but they're like much smaller fractions of the current bioplastic market. Okay, so the common ones I was thinking of the polyethylene and the polyethyl tetrathalene. I think I'm pronouncing that right? Yes, PET. <laughs> uh, see, all I know about PLA is it's used in 3D printing and it's not very radiation tolerant because I wrote a research paper on it. 3D printing is one of the main uses. The other main use is basically packaging. So if you want to have like a biodegradable packaging, specifically like the paper packaging, uh, you'd replace the plastic liner with PLA. And boom, your packaging is compostable. Industrially compostable though. Compostable under certain conditions. Yes. And this is something that I think catches out a lot of packaging in the UK is that there is actually a standard for what is compostable, but I don't know if everyone has followed that standard or the definition of the standard is compostable under certain conditions, not necessarily home compostable. I would argue that uh, most people don't compost at home but then people might put it in the food waste bin which is what i wanted to do 
until I realise actually that doesn't belong unless it specifically says it on the packaging. Most of the places I've lived in the UK have had the sort of the garden waste bins where they'll also take kitchen scraps, say. So I'd have been inclined to put them in that as well, but I don't know if I should have. I say follow the instructions on the packet. Oh, which sometimes confuse me massively because I'm a pedant. This is why I've done so much reading because it was like, this is ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> what does curbside even mean? Uh, but you mentioned um, PE and PET. I'm not going to try and pronounce that one again. <laughs> <laughs> you did really well. <laughs> Thank you. These aren't biodegradable, though, are they? But where do they come from if they're biologically sourced? Well, technically, the bio base will be biodegradable, but under certain, under only under certain conditions. So basically, the bio based is you'd swap out the. So in polyethylene, you swap out the eth- the ethylene with a bioethylene, and then you just basically go through the same reaction as with conventional ethylene to make bio-PE. Uh, for bio-PET, it's again similarly just use bioethylene and then have basically the same process. Okay, so what you were going, saying before right at the start about having alcohol-based sources, is that right? Yeah. It's ethylene? Or it may not be alcohol, I, I think... So, like, ethylene you normally get from natural gas, because you can get it from, from uh, ethane. If you get bioethane, then you can create bioethylene. Pretty sure you can just, you can create bioethane from biogas. I may need to double check this. Okay, so if I'm composting my stuff, I'm going to keep going back to this, because I do it at home, and I'm one of the few people that do it, turns out. But gas comes off the compost, and some of that could have some ethylene in it, or some methane, and you can use that to make... A bio-based polymer. Uh, okay, so I was right about the alcohol. So bioethylene is produced from bio- bioethanol. Ah, not ethane. Not ethane, no. But conventional ethylene is produced from natural gas. It's either you get it from the ethane or it'll be like another wet gas that's produced when you drill for oil and gas. Because, yeah, there are multiple different types of things in, in natural gas. Yeah, you'll get your methane, ethane, propane, butane and other gases. I think it's usually most of the time you you would use you would use fossil ethane to produce ethylene. Okay, but I, I think I feel like I'm getting a little bit confused because we've been talking about um, <laughs> biodegradable things from biological sources. Yep. And then kind of biological sources. I'm not sure if natural gas counts as biological source, does it? Oh no, it no. doesn't. So that, yeah. that's for the conventional PE you went or your conventional PET that are derived from fossil ethylene, which you would normally get from natural gas. With the bio-based, you just use bioethylene, which you get from bioethanol, okay. and which you can make through various processes. Okay, and they're still biodegradable, the PE and the PT. They should be, in theory. In theory. Are they? <laughs> in theory, okay. <laughs> Doesn't it just fall into smaller pieces? All plastics are biodegradable, it just, it takes, it just takes a while. But in the meantime, we get microplastic, isn't that yeah. the issue? I'm not entirely sure how it relates with biodegradability of different plastics. It's like we've got big pieces, physical pieces of plastic, and in order to get it to biodegrade, it has to be smaller pieces first, but then in that interim we have problems with having lots of little bits of plastic which we call microplastics and i think the microplastics are problematic because they get into the water column and they float and disrupt little swimmy things that live there but they can also get other places because we don't have a way of filtering them out 
Yeah. Apparently all tap water in the UK contains microplastics. Even the bottled water. Some of the bottled water does. I guess there needs to be a definition of what is meant by biodegradable. Are you talking about breaking a big thing down into small things? Or are you talking about breaking it down from one chemical form into a different chemical form? That's a good question. Because mm, I assume that's what's meant by biodegradable. That it's degraded into molecules that don't persist in the natural world. Oh wait, I'd just like to um, clarify, so I've just been reading, uh, bio-based PE and PET are not biodegradable, but PLA is. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'm pretty sure there was like this um, quadrant system, which was like bio-source and biodegradable. And then like some of them, like our traditional hard plastics that did not sit in the biodegradable category. Because chemically, it's the same as PET and PE, which don't naturally degrade in tens of years it degrades in like hundreds of thousand years so i feel like we've gotten to the bottom of this now there are basically sort of four classes of plastic depending on where they came from and depending on what can happen to them to i'm just going to say degrade of them because it doesn't really matter how you dispose of it necessarily yes cool so if we're taking a while to get to the bottom of that but i think it was worthwhile because there was a little bit of confusion there um, but something else that gets me about plastics is we've mentioned it comes up in lots of different places is in clothing. It's not something I've ever really thought about before, but they make clothing stretch. You talk about rubber before. And I've heard that that does not degrade at all brilliantly in the environment. And even once I'd say the cotton from some stretchy jeans has disappeared, the stretchy stuff, whatever it is, still persists. Yeah. So if you think about a lot of our clothes, like stretchy jeans love them because you know you don't have to worry about you eat a meal and then your jeans don't fit but to make them stretchy it's not 100% cotton anymore it is going to be like 5% elastane and yes cotton exists naturally in the world and it does biodegrade but the elastane doesn't people have been coming up with alternatives to replace that there are a couple of I want to say a couple of different fabrics, but part of it is also branded fabric. So like people will come up with a thing like spandex and lycra, which are brand names of, I think, the same chemical or same material. I don't know if it's fair for me to say this. (laughs) But it does kind of make things a little bit more confusing because if you're talking about, say, viscose or rayon. Yeah. Do they mean wildly different things or are there some similarities? I'm probably picking two completely ridiculous things to compare there. So no, I think they are very similar, if not the same. Um, They both come from cellulose. You know, cellulose is nice, tough material in nature, which you can then turn into fibres. And then that can become fabric. Now you've got me thinking about bamboo, but I think I'm getting distracted again. Now, here's one thing that really confused me. Yeah, there are a lot of different materials that people claim their fabric to be made of, but I think it all undergoes similar processes. It's like different biosources to produce the same end result. Like chemically, they are the same. Is that your understanding of it? Or have you not looked into it, Jasmine? All I can tell you is that plastics made from cellulose are not biodegradable. (laughs) Oh, I would assume they are inherently but But i guess chemically we've changed it from cellulose to something else but the majority or the vast majority of plastics derived from cellulose they're categorized as non-biodegradable basically like pla is the only real biodegradable plastic that you have shot through the heart and you're too late (laughs) (laughs) you give plastics or plants a bad name 
Well, there are some others. So, like, the starch-based ones are biodegradable. PLA is the main one. You also have some others that I cannot pronounce the full acronym. Whew. I must have confused viscose with another thing. Or maybe I knew, but I just kind of thought at least it's from a renewable source instead of a fossil fuel source. So silk, right? <laughs> silk is biodegradable. Are we saying, is that a polymer? Is that a plastic? That's not a plastic, but it's definitely biodegradable because it will get eaten by moths. True. Yeah. <laughs> a little too too easy to degrade. Yeah. Oh. What a minefield. I know. I feel like I'm just finding out more things that I'd never even considered. I just thought like cellulose is the best thing ever, but maybe not. It depends what you do with it, right? Yeah. If you chemically change cellulose into a fabric, apparently it is no longer cellulose-like. And then the little creatures that exist in the house that keep eating my woolly things aren't going to eat it, which is helpful in a way. Yeah. But then what do I do with it when I don't want that item anymore? When I'm completely done with it and it's basically just rag, how do I get rid of it? Burn it. (laughs) (laughs) that sounds sustainable (laughs) bio-based there is a waste hierarchy for things and i think burning it is just one step above landfill you can get some use out of it yeah i guess if you burn it for warmth and not just for fun yeah hey bonfire night is never a waste uh pretty bad for air pollution Mm. and um what's photochemical whatever smog no stratospheric ozone formation Yes, I couldn't remember which one it was. Who would have thought in an episode about bioplastics we'd end up talking about bonfire night? Hey, <laughs> you never know when you might need to just burn all your non-biodegradable clothes. Are you are you low on space? I mean, there isn't much space in London. I well, we could. Well, we could always. You could always donate it if it's in the good quality. But the issue is, like in like countries in Western countries, because. We produce and have so many clothes. There's generally like an oversupply of supply of the clothes that we donate, and like recycling fabrics, it's still a work in progress. But it is possible to recycle plastic from a mechanical point of view, but also a chemical point of view. Yeah, sh- yeah, it is, but um, it's quite difficult to recycle. Is it visco? Visco is that the yeah. Is that a bio-based clothing fabric? Yeah, it'll be quite difficult to recycle. Is that because it's quite hard-wearing, so it would take quite an energy-intensive process to break it down and turn it into something new? Or am I thinking about that in the wrong way? Uh, it could be. It could also just be that, um, how do you recycle a fabric? Like, how do you get it back into the polymers that, that, that you need? Uh, so I guess I'm thinking about something like cotton, where you just kind of shred it. Oh yeah, cotton you could, yeah, that's easier. Yeah, or wool, because I know how you sort of turn a, a fleece from a sheep into thread. And yeah. That's relatively straightforward. I guess part of the problem is if you've got like mixed fibres, they have to be treated differently maybe. Yeah, I thought there's a process called depolarization though. It's called chemical recycling where you heat stuff up and it breaks down into the monomers. So then you could reform the monomers. Yeah, you do have that, but for like a lot of fabrics, it's usually just not one hundred percent like viscose or uh... other bio-based fabrics. So, like, how would you separate out the visco from other stuff? So, even if the clothing says one hundred percent viscose, are we are we not just able to to chemically recycle it? Yeah, you could. I. It depends on if you can find someone who's willing to do it. Yeah, that is a huge challenge with the plastic recycling industry: is that there isn't 
enough logistics and recycling capacity. And is there just not the capacity? Because I'm going to go back to my earlier point. It's like quite energy <laughs> intensive to do it. And there's just <laughs> a more efficient process to make things from the original raw materials. Yeah. Yeah. And I would also throw in that because there's so many different types of polymers, just like a little bit of contamination between different polymers can really impact the, the quality of the end of the plastic that you end up with. Trying to not have contamination is also a really big issue with plastics. Even if you had like a bioplastic source, you'd still have the same problem with what to do with it afterwards. So like with the commercial plastics, you have lots of different types of bioplastics. So you can't just like if you did recycle them, you have to make sure that you're recycling all the same kind rather than mi- mixing and matching because it's like the polymers are they're different they're different lengths, so you can't really just like put like recycle a mixture of them because it'll, it'll the end plastic that you end up with after recycling will have very different properties to the um what to like to like a PE or a PET for example. Okay. So I guess going back to what we were saying right at the top that bioplastics are about not relying on fossil fuels so much and reducing yeah. the impact of plastic waste only really solves half of the perceived problem with plastics. Yeah. So I guess we're sort of almost back to what we were saying in the original plastics episode. It's about sort of how long something lasts and getting the most amount of use out of it in that case. So how long would I reasonably expect? Ooh, it's quite tricky because you said that bioplastics take up such a small percentage of the plastics market. <laughs> I was going to say, how long yeah. How long would I reasonably expect them to last? But I guess maybe no one's really done that analysis. You can do like a, a bit of a accelerated stress test on them. So I think people have a, an idea. So something I bought recently was a soap bar holder, which is a starch-based bioplastic. That is biodegradable. Yes. So they're expecting that to last five years, maybe, in a shower. That doesn't sound like a huge amount of time for something that I've, I've bought for a use and it just sits there. So if you think about how long people usually keep like a soap dish for, it's usually not that long. I feel like people just leave it around. Like they'd move house and just like leave it behind. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not that sort of person. I take literally everything with me, even if it wasn't mine to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> so my soap dish should last me forever until i die i suppose it could have other uses so like i don't know i've noticed in like house buying just like you know everyone moves house and then they go i don't like this person this previous person's style so i'm going to redo it it doesn't matter if the carpet is like good quality they'll just take it out so you know there are some things that people use even though it would have a much longer use but they just change it because of essentially fashion so we're saying fashion in people's behaviors are the enemy here not plastics even regardless of how they're made yeah you can put that argument forward it's kind of, it's quite a valid one because there's it's a, it's a really big issue when it comes to circularity is that so like things like a vacuum cleaner they're designed for a really long lifespan so like 10 plus years but most people don't keep their vacuum cleaner for that long because a new model comes out that might look nicer or have be more powerful and you then you get rid of your old vacuum cleaner after a few years people do that yeah i always had so on here on this one i've <laughs> had mine for 14 years now this is a very weird conversation to have what how long have you had a vacuum cleaner but is it a really good vacuum cleaner though i've gone through a lot of vacuum cleaners in my time you're on the other end of the spectrum yeah that's getting into a, a very separate topic about obolescence yeah, and what are you reasonably expected to do to look after machinery and all that sort of thing? 
I ask everyone to go to your vacuum cleaner and clean the filter. I do that with the one that I'm using now because it's just easier to clean the filter in it. Mm. Oh yeah, there we go. That's a whole separate topic about how easy is something to use and how do you engineer a useful product rather yeah. than something you mm. buy once and think this is terrible and throw it out. It's a whole other side of sustainability. And how do you include plastic in it as well? Or do you not? Is plastic really sustainable? I think it can be if it's used correctly, but that's my very novice assumption. No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's just like... We're just so accustomed to having plastic everywhere. And we're used to, like, very specific use cases of things. Like, the amount of, like, random things that do one job and one job only, and then you throw it away, it seems ridiculous. Like, why is a food shopping bag not also a bin bag? Why do we have different things for that? (laughs) Back when single-use plastic bags were still given out for free and were still a thing... My parents did use them as bin bags. Mine too, but that wasn't normal. I guess if you accumulate so many of them, they just end up inherently being rubbish. But I guess that's another question. If it is a potentially high value material that could have multiple uses, why is it being thrown out? Could you do something else with it? Could there have been some route where that plastic bag was then sent somewhere to be turned into clothing and it was just an automatic thing? Yeah, potentially. But I think it's also due with that a lot of people don't view plastic as a high value material. Almost like from a philosophical point of view is like, what kind of value are we talking? Like who assigned the value? If we're talking economic value, it's a plastic bag that people used to be given for free. So they didn't pay anything for it. So they don't think it has any value. But from like, if you looked at it from a fossil fuel point of view, That fossil fuel is never going to be made again in our lifetime. Well, that is an interesting philosophical point. How much do you value something and how much can you afford to spend on something as well? I I might be able to spend a lot on something, but I don't necessarily want to. I'd rather... I put a lot of value in the things that I buy, I guess, regardless of where they come from. If I had lots of money, I would definitely not spend it on just buying single-use plastic cutlery that would just throw out. And would you buy a dishwasher? If I was living by myself, I probably wouldn't need a dishwasher because I generate so little dirty dishes. I feel like we've kind of strayed from talking about plastics to talking about how we live, basically. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose that's what plastic is. It is a story of how humanity lives <laughs> some people plastic is a lifestyle on that note we should end it right there and i'm not even going to try and sum this one up because we've said so many different things and that's such a good line to leave it on that i think we're done for this episode <laughs> the views expressed in this podcast belong entirely to the person that said them they do not represent any industry or organization if you enjoyed listening to these views it would really help us out if you could rate us leave a review and tell a friend this podcast was sponsored by no one but if you're interested in funding us to continue to have frank discussions about science and engineering, please get in touch.